Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 214. This week on the show, I'm really delighted to be looking back at a conversation that I had with dating and career coach Francesca Hoagie. Francesca is a coach and a two-time Survivor contestant and a lawyer. And she and I met last year at a conference in Atlanta, and it was so amazing to meet her and talk about the crossroads of joy and relationships and careers. And I just knew that I had to have her on the show. So I'm so excited to be sharing that conversation with you guys again this week in honor of Thanksgiving week in the United States. Before we get there, I want to welcome you all and say hello and happy Thanksgiving. I am so glad that you are here. And I hope that you get to slow down and enjoy the season a little bit later this week. If you are new to Jumpstart Your Joy, of course, hello, I'm Paula, and I'm so glad that you're here. Jumpstart Your Joy is a podcast all about what it takes to find joy in your life, even in the hardest of times and the most unexpectedly difficult places. And I like to talk about the inspiration, intention, and action that it takes to get you there and back to finding joy that I call a wayfinding emotion. So when you set your sights on it, you will get there and you will find your way to contentment. If you want to find out more about the show, you can find the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can find show notes, which will have more information about Francesca and some of the things we talk about. And that'll be on the homepage. You can also find it at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Francesca, F-R-A-N-C-E-S-C-A. <laughs> A couple of really fun housekeeping things that are going on in the Jumpstart world over here. First, I am totally delighted to be announcing that I have started recording meditations for you all, and you can find them on Insight Timer, which is a really lovely app where you can find like over 50,000, I think, free meditations. I am on there as a teacher, Paula Jenkins. You can search for me out. I will also drop the link into the show notes. My first two meditations, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I was a retreat leader for 11 years, and my background is all religious studies, so... I just kept having these ideas for meditations. And I was like, I should record these. <laughs> so I did. The first two that are out there are how to tap into your purpose or your heart's North Star. You'll see that one out there. And the other one that's up right now is a centering meditation, which is based on the Franciscan centering prayer practice. Both are accessible and very spiritual, but not specifically religious. I think you will love them. So I hope you'll go give them a try and let me know what you think. The other really exciting thing that I'm so delighted to announce is that longtime guest, dear friend, and self-care advocate Christy Tending and I will be leading a live event on December 8th at 1.30 p.m. in Oakland, California. And it is a sliding scale, very low price, and we'll be doing a live workshop. The two of us teaching together for the first time, we'll talk about setting intentions for the year to come, about how to lay out some groundwork to get stuff done as well. And we'll also be talking about some lovely self-care practices that you can take home with you and just kind of ease into the holiday. It's like a mini retreat, and we are both so excited to be doing it. So you can find a link to that on the home page of jumpstartyourjoy.com. I'll also link it up in the show notes. So let's get into this week's interview. I am really delighted to have Francesca on. And what stands out for me about this conversation is just how she followed her heart to find a career that she loves. As a young person in middle school and high school, Francesca says that she was always interested in relationships and was often the person that the, that her friends went to with questions about dating and crushes. And this makes sense in so many ways because a lot of guests will talk about how the thing that they're doing now has a really strong tie to back to some of the things that they loved as a child. One of the things, though, that I found so inspiring and very much worth noting about what Francesca shares in this episode is that for a really long time, she believed that everyone had the same kind of interest in dating and giving relationship advice that she did. She assumed that this was an interest that was shared by others and even dismissed for a while that it was a unique ability she has because it seemed to come so easily for her. 
many guests and past clients have shared similar reflections about how they arrive at doing work that they love because they assume that it's something that everybody already knows how to do. So often our greatest gifts are things that come so easy to us (laughs) and we overlook it or dismiss it as a career path, just because we assume that it is also easy for everyone. And this happened to me. Of course, I fought for a very long time that I've assumed everyone knew how to do project management and production the way that I do, and that everyone could coach and do business stuff. Well, it turns out, no, I'm a good podcast producer, and I'm really lucky to work with the people that I do. And once I said yes to it, ugh, the things that fell into place have just been amazing. So without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Francesca Hoagie. So the first question I ask everybody is, what did you love most as a child or in school? What were your earliest sparks of joy? Oh, that is a fantastic question. Well, the very first thing when you said most as a child, the very first thing mm-hmm. that popped into my head was books. Yeah. Um, I was a very bookish child, <laughs> me and my brother who was two years older than me. I think my most vivid memories from childhood are like not even my memories. <laughs> They're really <laughs> the books. <laughs> yeah. In terms of in school, that's harder because, well, I wasn't one of those kids who really was into one thing and kind of like knew what they wanted to be when they grew up. Like, (laughs) you know, I wasn't a kid who like, I loved animals. So I wanted to be a vet. Like, you know how a lot of kids (laughs) do that or... You know, they love football, so they're going to be a football player when they grow up or something like that. And I was never really that kid. I was more interested in exploration always, even as a a kid, I think, which is why I loved books so much, because I got to visit all these different worlds. Yeah. Ooh, I love this because there's a lot of people that, a lot of the guests and then the audience as well, who resonate with the term multi-potentialite. Yeah. Yeah, and and I know you know Michelle Ward and or have met her and like that's kind of one of her things too. And so I yeah. love that you said that because I feel like there's so many of us that kind of as a kid we're like, well, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't even really want to answer that question because it's awkward. Yeah. And I love everything. Yeah. <laughs> You're in good yeah. company here. <laughs> oh, that's that makes me really happy. Yeah. I mean, I definitely got goodness, I wasted so much time as an adult mm-hmm. really buying into this very this like this, we have the societal conversation about like purpose and passion and and yes. it's like you know everybody has a burning passion inside of them and you know you know what it is and you just have to like ask yourself what your passion is and and I was always like I have I don't I if I ha- I think I know myself but there isn't one burning thing inside of me right I mm-hmm. didn't have that and I knew people like that and I was like so envious of those people I'm like oh my god you're so lucky you love that one thing so much And for me, because I had so many different interests, I spent a really long time feeling like I'm missing something here. Mm -hmm. And there's something about myself that I'm not, that I don't want to (laughs) face and feeling like I'm, am I the only person like without one burning passion? Um, So when I started to hear people have these conversations of like, no, 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 (laughs) you're not alone. (laughs) Then it was really helpful. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I can just choose something that I'm interested in and just go with that for now and see where it takes me. And this took a lot of the pressure off. I feel like the biggest thing that felt the most easeful to me when I kind of figured out that there were people <laughs> like me was, oh, now there's this reason that I dabbled in all those things. I wasn't yes. flaky. I just got enough out of playing the flute and then, you know, <laughs> having a DSLR and taking photos. Like I got enough out of each of those that whatever it was, and then I moved on to the next thing. It wasn't me just being, I couldn't stick to something. Yes, exactly. Oh, I so relate to that. <laughs> yes. So yes. big hug to multi-potentialites. <laughs> well, will you tell us a little bit about what you do now as a dating and a career coach? How does that work and how did you get there? So in my former life, I was a lawyer mm-hmm. and I was a corporate lawyer and it was not the worst job in the world, but I never really wanted to go to law school. Law was like one of those things. It's like, oh, that's interesting, but it wasn't even one of my strongest interests. So it was not really the best decision, though I don't regret it because I don't really regret anything. Um, so I went into the law knowing that I wanted to get out of the law, <laughs> um, <laughs> but not having a plan to do that really. So love and relationships and dating was something that I was always really interested in, but I think I thought everyone was really interested in that. And we mm. all are, 
but everyone's interested in it for yourself. You're not necessarily interested in other people's love lives, right? And I was always really interested in other people's love lives. <laughs> and, um, and I was always the person who, if my friend said, you know, oh my gosh, I like this guy, I'd be like, okay, let's make it happen. Let's figure it out. Like I was, I was always, I've really been playing that role since I was, you know, 12 years old and it was like literally on the playground. And so it was, so it was something that was always sort of in the background. And then I wound up very serendipitously just finding out that matchmaking was like a real profession and that there was a matchmaking institute. That's actually, that's what I first found out about was a matchmaking institute in New York. And I was like, what? There's a matchmaking institute. What are you talking about? Like, what are you, you know, awesome. in a school? Exactly. I was like, what? And it totally blew my mind. And I had actually discovered it because I connected with this guy on Twitter. Well, he's not a matchmaker anymore, but he used to be. He's an entrepreneur, TV host. His name is Paul Brunson. He's awesome. You should look him up. And I just wound up going to the matchmaking institute conference just as a lawyer, just like, I'm just curious about this industry. And I just want to find out like, Who's a, who are matchmakers? What do they look like? And <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is just crazy. So I went to this conference. I like the day before I was like, maybe I should get a card, like I should get cards printed. So I went to Staples and got like the cheapest, you know, like $14.99 like card pack. And it just yeah. had like my name. And I wrote matchmaker on it. I put matchmaker on the card, which was real bold in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love no it. such thing. <laughs> Yeah. And my phone number, like, you know, this is funny. Anyway, so this was six years ago. And so I went to this conference and I just found out like, there's a whole industry filled with professionals who take it really seriously and they run their businesses and they help people find love and they make money. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. So I really just fell in love with the industry once I found out it existed. And though I started as a matchmaker, I realized very quickly that the clients that I had that I could match were clients who were really open to doing things differently, really looking at themselves, really looking at like, okay, what am I bringing to the table here? You know, what are my expectations of another person and of a relationship? The people who could take the feedback of, you know, they went on a date with someone and the person they went out with would tell me like, oh, you know, she was really short with the waiter and it was a turnoff because it just made me feel like, oh, you're being nice to me, but not to the waiter. Mm-hmm. The, pre- the person who can hear that and is like, oh my God, you know what? I was just so nervous. And I actually, you know, I, I didn't think he would have picked up on that, but like, I'm so like, that's great feedback. I'm never going to let that happen again. right? Mm-hmm. Versus a person who's like, well, that's on him. I was fine to the waiter. Right. So the mm-hmm. people who are like <laughs> the people who are more, and, and of course you don't want to go overboard thinking that every piece of, of negative feedback is accurate or that, you know, you're always in the wrong or anything like that, not into a self-loathing place, but just into a place of like being able to look at what you do and how you're showing up in the world. And those people I could match. And the people who were totally shut down to that, I couldn't match. And they were impossible clients. And I actually had to wind up firing a couple of them, even though I needed the money. Because I was like, yeah. this is not worth it, <laughs> you know? And mm-hmm. I know I can't help this person because they're just they're just not in the right mindset. So once I realized that, I was like, okay, the coaching piece of this is the important part. The mm-hmm. matchmaking part, that's just a bonus, but that's not what most people need. And so I really just fell in love with coaching. And so I transitioned my business from matchmaking to originally love coaching. So dating coaching, working with single people who didn't want to be single. And Mm -hmm. through doing that work, it just sort of evolved that a lot of my clients, because, you know, they're professional or some of them wanted to make career changes, like lifestyle changes, and it's all related to love anyway, right? So if you're really miserable in your job and your, or your lifestyle is super hectic, or you know, you've got all these other things going on, it's going to be really hard to find a great relationship. Not impossible, but you're not really setting yourself up to win. Because of that, my coaching practice just became more holistic and my clients started like really directly coming to me for other things. It's like, okay, now the dating part is squared away, but now I really it's time for me to really change careers or do this other thing. So it just sort of evolved into more general life coaching still focus on dating. Like that's definitely what I'm most known for and what most people come to me for. But the career thing evolved out of that. And now I'm also, I'm a part-time coach out of UC Berkeley's business school. So that's, so that's another thing that's really, really helping me to like pull me more in that career direction because I'm working with MBA students, right? It might sound really different to some people. Like what? You help people like get in relationships and you help people like 
you know, with career stuff. And that might seem really disparate, but to me, it makes total sense because I see how interconnected our lives are. Yeah. And I think it makes intuitively a ton of sense to me as well. I mean, (laughs) those that are listening probably know my own path too. Like it wasn't all linear either. I mean, and I think it's interesting when you can tune into those things that you kind of even just mirroring back to what you were saying about you knew you had lots of passions, but to try and narrow that down, like you followed the things that seemed right and were interesting. And that's kind of the way you got there. So it's like that different path from like, oh, I know I want to be a doctor or well, I know I got, I've kind of got, got all these good hits on the things I love. So where does that lead me? Life is so unexpected. And I love that about it. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I mean, when, when I, you're open to it too, that's like the really fun part. I love that I've had a million jobs because I have, because before I was, well, even after I was a lawyer, honestly, because the first time I left the law, I, I left to go into the movie business. I started this production company with a friend of mine and we were making no money. Right. And so I had to take on all these other jobs to support that business. And so I was doing like wardrobe styling. I was working on videos. Um, I'm like, I don't like, I don't think this movie thing is going to work out for me, but I had a passion for film and I still do. And I love movies and in a perfect world, I will still make movies one day in some way, shape or form. I love that I've had all of these twists and turns. And, and when you look back on it, it's just like you, you did the flute, you learned things from that, not just how to play the flute, but you learned about discipline and you learned about having to like get up in front of people and perform and you learned about like pushing yourself to learn a new skill like all those things have an effect on us because mm-hmm. if you take the time to acknowledge it especially you can get confidence and clarity from all of these things that you've done and so i think that's beautiful i mean i wouldn't change anything not even yeah. going to law school <laughs> mm, yeah well and that's interesting as well i mean i'm sure it gives you a different lens right to see structure and how things work and how they're all interrelated, I would guess. It does. Totally. Yeah. My sister's a lawyer. It's interesting because she went the law route and I went religion. And I feel like we were both in our own way, like trying to find how is this universe or this place that we live in work? Like it was that question, just it kind of went different directions. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what we're all trying to figure out. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's probably true. (laughs) In our own way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so if somebody's listening and they're like, okay, so I'm an, I want to be an entrepreneur. Like, do you have any suggestions in that space of you kind of remaining open and curious? There's kind of that daunting jump. I mean, you and I both have been like, I was a project manager for 20 years and then now I'm a, a coach and a podcaster. So I think people see that and they're like, whoa, 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 how did you do that? And how mm-hmm. can I kind of learn something from the way people do that? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. And yeah, this is something that I talk to people about and I coach people on. And I think the biggest thing that gets people stuck who want to be entrepreneurs is that they are comparing themselves to everybody else. They're Mm -hmm. comparing. Yes, people can see you and they can see all that you've done because you've worked really hard and you've gotten to this point. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't know all the other people who are toiling away (laughs) and don't have an audience yet and don't have a platform yet. So I think that comparison thing is, you know, it gets us on so many levels, but I'm a, I'm a really, really big fan of, of baby steps. I talk to people, I have a client right now who, when we first started working together, she, she has a business that she, that she wants to start. Uh, well, now she has started it, but she, at this point she'd wanted to start it. And she's like, okay, well, you know, I hired this guy to do, to build a website. So that's been in progress for like six months and, and I'm trying to get a logo and, you know, and it's, I don't like any of the the designs. And so I keep sending it back and I'm like, okay, wait, stop, like, stop, 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 stop. Mm. <laughs> like, you don't need to worry about a logo right now. You need <laughs> to worry about a website right now. Like you need to get one client. And then you're in business. (laughs) Is it? And the reality is, the logo that you pick right now, a year from now, after you've like developed your business and you're really understand who you are and who you serve and all of that, like you might look at that logo and be like, "Oh, this is this is an idea of who I thought I should be. This is not even who I am." So I think trying to do too much too soon and like just assembling all those trappings of like, "I'm an entrepreneur. Look, I have a business," is something that gets people really stuck when it's like. No, forget about all of that for a moment. What do you want to do? Who do you want to serve? What is the smallest step that you can take right now to get started? Amen. (laughs) And I'm also a really, really big fan of people being so transparent about the fact that they are brand new. 
because mm-hmm. yes. there's power in that. I mean, my first matchmaking client, I was like, I was a lawyer. I was single, by the way, at the time. I didn't mention that, right? <laughs> I had been on Survivor. Like people were not taking me seriously. Like when mm-hmm. I first, you know, set out to do this, it wasn't like people were like, oh yeah, I should totally be a matchmaker. Everyone was like, what? What are you talking about? Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I need to find someone to hire me. Like maybe I can find someone. And I wound up finding this woman. And the reason that she hired me, she's like, I want to hire you over someone else because I know that I'm your first client and I know you have something to prove and you're going to work really hard for me. Hmm. And I was like, you're all those things are true. Yeah. <laughs> and I love you. <laughs> exactly. That's like, the best you are, reason. You're 100% right. Yeah. And, you know, the client that I'm working with right now, you know, she was, she was so focused on all these other things. And, and I just, I challenged her to just send an email because she had, she was another coach. Right. And she, mm-hmm. like many of us who become coaches, you have been, you have been serving that role in your life up until now in some capacity, oh, most likely. Yes. Right. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you're already doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you're the person that people call when they want to work through something. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I said, just pick a list, you know, and I think I can't remember the number, but then she came up with like 20, 30 people who she knew, who are friends of hers, right. Who she'd known and all, and just send an email really transparently. I am taking the leap. I'm starting a coaching business. My goal is to get two clients by the end of February. And, you know, like, and just, just to be really clear. And then, and when she did that, the number of people who responded and they were like, Oh my God, I'll be your first client. Oh my God. You give the best advice. You know, mm. and like they appreciate the fact that you're being honest. Like, I think yeah. we feel like we have to be like, and I'm super professional and hear all <laughs> right. my testimonials and I'm so amazing. And it's like, y- you are amazing, right? <laughs> you are. Yeah. <laughs> you are sure. amazing, but don't worry about all that. Just worry about getting started. Yes. Oh, totally agree. And, and it's funny, probably just because this documentary is out there, but like, just because the fire festival looked awesome doesn't mean that it delivered. So like you're kind exactly. of spinning your wheels and the amount of money that somebody puts into the investment. I mean, forget, yeah. I mean, we can, we can also really laugh about that because what go watch that Hulu or Netflix. Amazing. I them both. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the, anyway, but like, I think, I think the interesting thing there is like, you think you need all of this stuff, but that doesn't make it more real. Like yes. you, it, we could be anything we want on social media, but that doesn't yes. mean you're delivering the goods and really mm-hmm. reaching out to those first people that you already know and love. It's like kind of scary. Yeah. You got to, it's vulnerable. You put on the courage and, and you give it a go. And yeah, I, I love that. That's, that's what your client's doing. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's super scary, but you know what? That's not a reason not to do something. <laughs> I'm like yeah. my goal for myself um, and for my clients, but also for myself is just to re constantly be recalibrating my tolerance for discomfort. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, Oh God, this feels really uncomfortable. This feels really uncomfortable. It feels like, okay. And then you get through it and you're like, okay, I, all right. You know what? I survived. It was actually okay. It was actually great. <laughs> you know? And then you just keep going and you just, you know, the thing that used to seem really, really scary and so vulnerable, like sending that first email, you're like, Oh wow. Like that was the hardest part. <laughs> it's just gotten easy. Now that I, I survived that and now yes. everything else has just gotten easier. And even though you're doing bigger and bigger things, you're also up leveling your mindset and your confidence at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Cause confidence is so hard. It's one of those things you have to walk into without having it. And then you get it after the fact, like it's a crazy thing. It's so crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. I always think about it and I tell my clients, I'm like, just, you don't have to 100% believe today that you're going to meet the love of your life, but Mm -hmm. you have to at least believe that it's possible. Like you're open to that possibility (laughs) and to say like, okay, I acknowledge that I have some fear. I acknowledge I have some skepticism, but I'm open to the possibility that I'm wrong. And that actually I'm going to meet someone really amazing. Like, yeah. How do you see that people like kind of set themselves up to be in that place? Because I think it's really, and I know you've talked in other places about like everyone says, oh, San Francisco is the worst place to meet a guy. Or like wherever the city is, like that's <laughs> mm-hmm. the worst place to meet someone. Yes. Which, okay, we <laughs> wherever all Wherever they live, that's, where, yeah. that's the worst place, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but beyond like letting go of that, being attached to that being a truth, like 
What are some of the other things that you see people doing to align themselves to kind of be in that space where a good relationship or, and I, and I don't mean that in a, in like a comparative way, but like the right yeah, relationship could enter mm-hmm. their, their space. So I, it's a great question. So the first thing is you have to become really, really curious about your life, right? Mm-hmm. And just try on for, just try on for size, the possibility that even though I don't understand how or why I would have done this, I've actually created this entire situation that I'm in right now. Right. So like, even though I feel like all of these things are outside of my control, like, oh, I live in San Francisco and there are no straight guys, or I live in Chicago and there are no gay women or whatever the story is. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Everybody's a story. We're really good at telling stories. Just accept that those, that that is actually not what's really going on. And once you start to get curious about that, so so an example is I spoke to a woman yesterday who gave me the, she lives in Toronto and Toronto is the worst place to meet someone according to her. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, of course it is. So is everywhere else. <laughs> when you're single and you don't want to be single, you always think that. And she has a really, really busy work schedule. And so, you know, she, she wanted to talk about that. And I said, okay, let's set aside because she has a, a relatively new job. And I said, before you had this job, what was your work schedule like? She's like, oh, I had so much more time. I said, okay, so when you had more time, how was your dating life different? And she's like, well, I went on more dates. I'm like, okay, were the guys, were you more connected? And she's like, oh no, it's always the same, still the same, right? And basically we're just asking her a series of questions for her to realize that she had a dating pattern that persisted throughout her life, regardless of how busy she was with work. But when you're really busy with work, it's easy to focus on that thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a distraction. It's like, okay, yeah, we can do tactical things to get more time back in your life. But beyond that, what's the thought process and what's the belief system that's underlying it? So just understanding that clarity and and really uncovering like, oh, this is really what I believe about myself or really what I believe is possible or believe about love. That gives people confidence immediately because then they can say, oh, now I understand why I've had the same dating pattern for the last 10 years. I understand Mm -hmm. why I've been single up until now. I understand why I've only been attracted to unavailable people. So instead of feeling like this is just this crapshoot and I'm so unlucky or unattractive or undesirable, I actually realized, no, there was a level which I was choosing all of those situations, all of those people, and including not choosing anyone else. That's also a choice. Choosing anyone at all is also a choice, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like I was doing all of that because all of that was actually reinforcing something that I believe about myself. And shining a light on that, then you're just like, then it's like, oh, whoa, now I, now I understand. And now I can look at that belief. I can see it for the lie that it is because look, we will do anything we can on an unconscious level. And that's where we're doing most of our activity, (laughs) right? Right. Yes. (laughs) Like we will do anything to be right about what it is that we believe. And Mm. even if you believe something that you don't in your heart want, like if you, you know, want to be rich and in your heart, you were like, wish that you had enough money to support your family and be comfortable and secure and all that. You might want that. But if your actual belief system is I'm broke and I've always been broke and I'm never going to, I'm never not going to be broke. Yeah. Those things are at odds. And unfortunately, the way it works, we get to consciously choose, but we only do that once we look at what has been programmed for us right. and then say, oh, okay, I'm looking at that underlying belief that I'm always going to be broke. I understand where it came from. I must have had that since I was one year old in my household and the way I grew up. And in order for me to have a different result, I have to stop seeing myself as a fundamentally broke person. Right. Right. You Mm. see it for the lie that that is, right? And then you're like, okay, now you can do the work of reinforcing the belief that you actually want (laughs) versus the one that has just been unconsciously put upon you (laughs) before you were even old enough to consciously choose it. Right. Right. Gosh, this stuff is so like that's so like baked in. And it's like I love that you're breaking this down because I'm I'm also looking up at the book You're a Badass at Making Money, which I love that book. So good. I'll link it up. But like I think it's interesting. I hadn't really thought. I mean, I guess at some level the getting the love you want by is that Hendrix? Is yes. That Harville. Harville. Harville, Harville <laughs> Hendrix. Yes. Yeah. But like, is there something about it like you're what his theory is something around like you're really trying to like kind of find a match for whatever your wound was when you were little, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, that's basically, yeah. 
but then that you can reprogram that. Like if you, once you, like you said, you get curious about it and say, okay, but what is it that I really desire? Because mm-hmm. otherwise you're kind of layering on that um, Jen Sincero thing of like, you're just subconsciously making the same pattern happen again and again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And mind blowing. It is mind blowing. And I think like it's one of those things, like it gets confusing for people because people are like, you know, people who hate on like the law of attraction or something, they're like, oh, you can't just think good thoughts and think, think, you know, things, good things happen to you. And it's like, no, you actually can't just think good thoughts, but you can, but you can believe that what you want to be, (laughs) like you have to, you can believe that that, that the reality is what you want it to be because then. When you believe that, then you all of your thoughts and all of your actions then align with that, mm-hmm. and you make it happen. But really, I, this is the example that I use for people who have a harder time kind of grasping this concept. So this is, you know, there are people who grew up in, in horrible, horrible circumstances in this world. We all know this, right? Mm-hmm. And there are kids who are grown up who, from the time that they are born, they are told that they are worthless, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can all imagine that situation and have so much empathy for that child and see how false that is, how, what a lie it is that they're worthless. We see their value. We see their potential, but you, you imagine that child. So they're growing up their whole life, terrible upbringing. You're worthless. You're worthless. You're worthless. And then they're an adult. And by the time they're an adult, they, if they have not somehow miraculously had somebody who intervened in their life or had something in their life to really challenge this assumption or, you know, this, or this lie they've been told this whole, their whole lives, they're going to grow up and they're going to have a lot of issues, right? We can all agree. (laughs) And, and we're, we can all agree that that person is going to, you know, they can grow up, they could, they could be 50 years old and you can, they will have assembled a lifetime worth of evidence to Mm -hmm. validate their belief that they're worthless. Yes. And we all, that all makes sense to us. It's like, oh yeah, of course, because it's an extreme example. And just know that just like that person based their whole life experience and all of the results in their life based on a lie, it's not fair that they were told that lie. It's totally unfair, but that's what happened because that's what happens sometimes. And we can see how we can see, we can see the result of that, but then how have we done that in our own lives? Right. You know, so what are the things It may not be that dramatic as you think you're completely worthless, but what do you think? Maybe you think you're, great at business, but you know, you suck at love. Mm-hmm. Maybe you think that, you know, you're great at love, but you can't make, you know, two dimes to save yourself. Right. You know, or maybe. like if you're the entrepreneur, you think you're good at your day job, but you couldn't possibly be that thing that isn't, Yeah. you know, inside of a corporate setting. Like I could see that totally applying there. Oh yes, a hundred percent. I've yes. lived that part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You've got a career. You know, you've been successful in this career. You're like, I'm, I'm comfortable here. I know I can do this. I don't. And if you don't have the belief in yourself that you can do something else, something different, then will you ever do it? Maybe not. No. Mm, or if you not. do it, you'll. It'll be a one step forward, two steps back thing because we do that a lot too. Because because mm-hmm. there is that desire in you, right? There is that desire. Even if you're a person who thinks you're, you know, you're worthless, you still have a desire for connection, right? You still have a desire for love and intimacy. So you're going, that desire is going to get you, um, it's going to, for, it's usually for most of us, it's going to force us to take a couple of steps in that direction, right? right. But then yeah. it's too scary and it's too incompatible with what we believe about ourselves. So then we take two steps back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so really it's that mindful curiosity of saying, but wait, this doesn't seem quite right, whatever it is. And saying, how do I, how can I change or question the underlying assumption that I have about what my situation is, whether that is, I keep dating the same kind of person and it doesn't seem right, but I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Or I yeah. keep, you know, I keep going back to the same kind of jobs that seem like I don't like them, but they seem comfortable in a weird way. And I can't help myself there either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause when you get curious about that, then you, then you, at least even if you don't, you're not going to know all the answers right away, but you no. can start to look for the signs that are going to t- give you those clues. If you're open to the clues, they will show up. Mm. And you know, that's why working with a coach is so great because it shortcuts this process. Cause you know, you know, the questions to ask your clients, right. To get to their, help them get to their own truth. And I know the questions to ask my clients to help them get to their own truth. And 
I, I'm passionate about doing it because I had a lot of these struggles and I didn't have anybody to guide me through it. And so I had to figure it out on my own. Yeah. And I had to have a lot of heartache and I had to have a lot of like, what's, what, how, what am I doing wrong? Or I'm so unlucky. I had to have a lot of that until I was like, okay, hmm, maybe, just maybe I am, I have more control here than I realized because I am the common denominator. Mm-hmm. So just, and I didn't, when I first asked myself that question, I wasn't sure of the answer. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, but maybe. And just that maybe allowed me to start to get curious and say, huh, you know what? I am really good at picking guys who are emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at that. Not every guy's emotionally unavailable, but the ones I like are. So, hmm, what am I getting out of being with somebody who's emotionally unavailable? Because I'm clearly getting something out of it. And I'm like, oh, Mm. it helps to validate my feeling that no one's going to open up to me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's a match. Yeah. It's a match. It's a match. Because I have trouble being vulnerable. So why? Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that I would be attracted to people who also have trouble being vulnerable. Right. Right. And so like, and the ego is happy because it's like, look, see, I told you so. Exactly. Because your inner critic can go wild. It's like, look, we found them. There they are. Exactly. Your inner critic is so happy because you're right. (laughs) you're right about what you believe, not about what you want, but what you believe. And that's how you get more confidence just by paying attention and realizing that you have, you have so, so, so much more power than Mm -hmm. we are generally socialized and raised to believe. Yeah. Well, this is so powerful. And I love that intuitively (laughs) knew obviously that like love is all intertwined with the rest of it. And that we have relationships with love and with money and with our work. And like, I think just the way you've broken it down, though, is so, okay, now this makes sense as to why I keep doing that thing as far as relationship would go and why I keep finding the exact same person, yeah. just in a different, <laughs> just a different, a different form. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We should all celebrate our unconscious genius because we really, the unconscious genius is very strong in us. Very strong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder, does it come from like a past life as well? Like there's, it feels like there's programming beyond like the oh. consciousness here. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, I totally believe that. And I think, um, I mean, I don't, I mean, listen, I do not purport to know the mysteries of the universe, but um, I definitely, I believe that particularly things like trauma, mm. I think that we have that in our DNA and you can see that it's, it's actually been studied. You know, you look at populations of people, you know, like Jewish people have a much higher rate of, you know, anxiety, depression than the, the average. Black Americans have a higher rate of those things than average because there's been a, so much trauma that's happened yeah. to so many people who like, it's like, oh yeah, if you're just descended by people who've had trauma after trauma after trauma, like there right. is some, there are some residual pieces of that, that are holding on that, you know, that are in us. And so it's up to us now to heal it. And not to yeah. say that, you know, no one else has trauma unless you're like, cause if anyone's listening, like you don't have to be black or Jewish to have trauma. I'm not saying that <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we all have traumas. Everyone has trauma, but I do think that there is something to be said for this inherited. Yeah. It's, it, it's something that's beyond our experience. Like you as Paula, lifetime. me yeah. as Francesca, you know, like it's something beyond that. Yeah, that's crazy. My mom and I were having a discussion about how even just the creation of um, eggs, like it happened so <laughs> early in the fetal development so know, that my my egg, <laughs> the egg that made me would have lived in my mother inside my grandmother. Yeah. So it kind of, I mean, you kind of wonder if there was trauma or a really unfortunately bad situation in the time that my grandmother was alive and carrying my mom, part of me experienced that. So I don't have any doubt that even there's some physicality to that. Like your actual being was halfway there I know. way back when. So it's, yeah, that was a mind blowing one. It's really mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so mind blowing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's no we resolution are... to that one either. Like my mom and I are like, I don't know if we can unpack this any further. We should just stop. Like, <laughs> we got to hit the end of the road here. We should just stop before we have an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so classic. <laughs> if you're thinking about like, 
a lot of people want to get into a relationship for the joy and the connection and all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you see that crossroads? I mean, how do people truly find a joyful or if it's contentment, like how do they find that in a relationship or what should they aim for? Gosh, this, I mean, that's such a good question. There's so many levels in which I could <laughs> like look at that question. Mm-hmm. Okay. On a very practical level, I would say that it's really important when you're looking to meet somebody to make sure that the things that you're prioritizing and other people are the right things and are things that actually have to do with your relationship with that person, (laughs) because a lot of times they don't. Um, Mm, And so, and that is from everything from, Oh, I'm only going to date people who, you know, are, I'm only going to date. This is a very common one for women. I'm only going to date guys who are over six feet tall, for instance, it's an easy low hanging fruit. (laughs) And if you, if you're really attached to that, you're like, I'm not even going to consider anybody who's less than six feet tall. It's like, "Mm, okay, let's, let's talk about this. Why is six feet tall so important? Like, let's talk about it. Right. And usually when you talk about it, because sometimes women will say this to me and they're like five, four. So it's not even like, I'm, I'm five eleven, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it just, I mean, it just, it so happens that my boyfriend is taller than me, but I've dated people who are shorter than me. I never, this whole height thing, I'm like, I never really got why I never really suffered from it. I'm just like, I don't know. Sometimes I like people. They're taller. Sometimes they're the same. And sometimes they're shorter. It's okay. Um, but I'm in the minority of it of it. It's like, I'm four foot 10. So no one's shorter than me. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't yeah. even have that part of it. Like, it's like, okay, <laughs> they'll be taller than me. All everyone is. Children yeah. are taller than me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I both for different reasons <laughs> sort of escape like, this particular that requirement. But, um, but so, but for a lot of women, you, you ask them, and and this is always a good question. Okay. You can have a list of all the things you want in a person, just two things, go through that list and make sure you understand the real why behind all of those things. And then you also have to decide which are the most important because you can't weigh everything equally. You know, you can't weigh likes tennis and wants to be a father equally. Like you gotta, (laughs) you know, you gotta like... These are these are on a different level of importance, but but when you when you look at them, when you ask the question, so with the height thing, okay, why do you want a guy who's six feet tall? Well, that's just what I'm attracted to. Okay, why? Because I am. That's just I like tall guys. Okay, why? Well, because then I can wear heels. Okay, well, how does that make you feel if you can wear heels and he's taller than you? Well, it makes me feel really feminine. It makes me feel like I'm like small and petite, and I just want to feel that way. And so I want a guy who's taller so I can feel feminine. Like okay. How about just try this on for size? Is it a good goal that maybe your feelings of femininity are so deeply a part of who you are that they're not influenced by anybody outside of yourself? Mm -hmm. Like maybe you can just feel really feminine, even if you're with a guy and you're the same height or he's shorter than you. Yeah. Like, is that a goal? Or can you explore the femininity without there being a comparison of someone else? Yes. So, I mean, it's just questions to ask. It's just, you know, it's like, again, it's that curiosity, like, hmm. Or like, do you think that maybe there's a guy in this world who would be an amazing partner for you who is 5'10"? Right. It's the average. (laughs) Is that possible? (laughs) Yeah. You're more likely to find the rest of the list and the other requirements too, if there's a little wiggle room on that height thing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you have to just break it down between, okay, what is a want and height, you know, likes tennis, um, <laughs> you know, travel the world. Those things are the, sure. Great. Fine. That's important to you, but what are the needs? And usually people are, are, are dating and selecting partner from a place of wants. And then they're hoping, okay, I found somebody who looks the way I want them to, and they have make the kind of money and they have the kind of job. Now I hope that they're also a good person and I feel good when I'm with them and they're crazy about me and they want the kind of relationship I have. And we have the same goals in terms of family and lifestyle. <laughs> like, and then you're trying to shoehorn all these other things and we have yeah. an emotional connection and a physical one. And a, and it's like, okay, yeah, that is why you're having a really hard time finding someone. Like you're starting in the wrong place. I mean, it strikes me that like the flip of it is I don't, and maybe it's partly because I am four foot 10, but I don't really want anyone to be like, judging me on the physical package here, right? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. prefer that they didn't. Yeah. Well listen, we all we would all prefer that they didn't. And that's and that's another piece of this. It's like the more that we accept ourselves and the more comfortable we are with ourselves, the less attached we are to that physical package and other people. It's just true. 
And this is not to say you should get into a relationship with someone that you're not sexually attracted to, because I would never advocate for that because it wouldn't, there'd be no point. (laughs) But if you shift your perspective and you're, and you now realize like, okay, yeah, you know what? I am feminine and I can explore and celebrate that part of myself. And the guy doesn't have to be five inches taller than me to make that happen. Once you, once you let go of that, then you can meet a guy who's five, nine and you're like, oh my God, he's amazing. (laughs) And you can, you know, and, and I'm not saying you can't date somebody who's over six feet tall, but it's just a matter of what are you focused on and just making sure you really understand the why behind each of those things. So that's a very tactical thing. And then the other thing is just pay attention to how you feel when you're with another person in terms of your comfort level and you're feeling that you can be your authentic self and that person sees you and appreciates you for that authentic self. And you feel the same way because if you have that as a foundation of just, just that dynamic, that's really well established between the two of you, you can weather a lot of storms and find a lot of joy in your Mm. lives together. Yeah. I think that's super, super helpful. And it does recalibrate what it is that we're looking for and why maybe it's important. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a hard place to be too. When you're like, but he matches everything physical. Why doesn't? Why yeah. don't we have that other connection? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I had I had a client once who was like, she started dating this guy and she really liked him, and and um, they started sleeping together, but she wouldn't spend the night at his house, and he was like, it was bothering him. He's like, why won't you stay? And she didn't want to stay because she didn't feel comfortable. Like, oh, I didn't want to see me in the morning with no makeup and da 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 whatever. And I'm like. You you want to get married, right? Because that was she, I knew she wanted to get married, not because everybody wants to, but I knew she specifically did. And I said, don't you think it's time for you to get comfortable with the fact that somebody's going to see you and not this like super, what you consider to be the super idealized, polished state? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. even if this guy is not the guy, this is a good exercise for you. And it was such a, um, for her, it was like such an aha of like, oh yeah, I guess I'm probably never going to get in a relationship if I can't get comfortable with this. Like, yeah, you're not, <laughs> you know? And so there, we just have so many things that we, that we get attached to and we get in our own heads and it's like, okay, is the way that I'm approaching this in line with what the outcome that I want, you know, um, right. just stop asking yourself that question. I mean, I have to ask myself that question all the time about a lot of things in my life, you know, <laughs> including my business. Yeah. Yeah, I ask myself that a lot too, uh, in different ways. But like, and am I doing the right level of things for this outcome? Because I also mm-hmm. overshoot it every time, where it's like <laughs> total overachiever status of doing way more than it takes, which probably rings through in like relationships too. Sometimes where you're like, you're doing way more. Maybe even the makeup thing is exactly that. Like you're doing way more than you need to to worry about this, <laughs> right? <laughs> Humans are funny. They really, we, we are, they are, yeah, as if are. I am not one of the humans. <laughs> I am, just, just to confirm. <laughs> well, so if someone is, they're hearing what you're saying and they're like, yes, I really need to make this a priority. I really want to work with her. Where can they find you? And what kind of things are you offering right now if people are looking for a dating coach and career coach? Sure. Um, so I'm easy to find. I'm, my website is just my name, which is francescahoogie.com. And I'm also on social media at Dear Franny. So Dear Franny on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of the places. Um, and I have a few different ways that people can work with me. I actually have a couple of free ways that people can work with me because I, I have a, a, a complimentary gr- uh, monthly group coaching mastermind. So if people go to my website, they can sign up for that. Um, anyone is welcome to join. And it's it's not specifically just about love. It's about you kind of, it's a little bit cho- of choose your own adventure. So mm-hmm. each month we have a theme and there's a worksheet and and you can kind of just tailor it to the part of your life that you're more focused on. Um, and then we have a live call each month so you can ask me questions and get feedback. So that's one so thing. So cool. I love Thanks. it. Thanks. So that's one thing. And then I also offer... Um, I, I only do two of these a month, but anyone is welcome to apply. I gift a 90 minute breakthrough coaching session with people. So again, if you go to my website or if you go actually probably, I don't know, t- social media is easiest for people, but if you go to my bio on Instagram or Twitter, you can click on the link and you'll, it'll take you to the page and anyone can apply for a 90 minute breakthrough coaching session with me. No obligation, just a standalone session, you know, designed to really help you to break through um, to the next level. So those are the, 
cheapest ways because they're free <laughs> to work with me. Um, and I also have a new podcast. My podcast is called Romantical. I'll do all of those in the show notes. Well, I have one question that I like to ask everyone. And um, that is, uh, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world and in other people's lives? Okay. Number one, talk to strangers, make eye contact and smile at people. That's all. That's like a small thing. But if everyone did that, I think the world would be a much better place and we'd have a lot more joyful interactions. Number two, give yourself a social media and just general screen time break. We're all really plugged in and overconnected and it's actually stressful. I think it's like, it has this sort of low level effect on our energy <laughs> and our, and our just general peace and well being. So, you know, whatever rules that you, that make sense for you, like I have a no screen in my bedroom rule, which has been mm -hmm. amazing. I turn off all my screens, like pretty much an hour before I know I want to go to bed just so I can decompress. And that's something that's been really joyful, <laughs> joy inducing for me. <laughs> um, and then the last thing is to keep a gratitude journal. Even if, you, if it's just a note in your phone, just jot down five things a day that you're grateful for, big or small. It could literally be, I got a parking spot right out front. Lunch was delicious. <laughs> the sun was shining. Or it could be, you know, my family, my health, my healthy legs, my, you know, whatever. Um, but it's, it's very, uh, gratitude is, is the easiest shortcut to joy. Mm, I love that. Mm, thank you so much, Francesca. <laughs> This thank has been such a treat to get to talk to you. This has been great for me too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website. And you'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things. It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including the inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.